Lots of righteousness tends to belong So keep your love on, on Welcome to the Get Your Love On podcast. This show is dedicated to the family of faith around the globe. In each episode, we learn how to simply walk with God in all His awesome love, incredible power, and authority. It's straightforward, and it's straight from the Word. We have free resources for you at getyourloveon.org. That includes free Bible studies and an amazing free video series, all there to answer your questions, build your faith, and of course, we'd love to hear from you. You can always reach out to us by going to getyourloveon.org. We have an amazing episode here, so let's go. Let it shine bright, 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 keep your love. There is nothing more exciting that you can possibly hear than what we are covering today. There's never been a more incredible victory than Christ's resurrection. Let's start in 1 Corinthians 15. This is the resurrection chapter of the Bible. It says in verse 1, Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel which I preached unto you, which also ye have received, and wherein ye stand, by which also ye are saved. If ye keep in memory that which I preached unto you, unless ye have believed in vain. Okay, Paul's really laying it out here that this gospel is our lifeblood as long as we choose it. And I, I think it's interesting too, he says, unless ye have believed in vain. So there must be those that do believe in vain. Let's keep reading and find out who they might be. For I delivered unto you first of all that which I received, how that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, and that he was buried, and that he rose again the third day according to the scriptures, and that he was seen of Cephas, then of the twelve. After that he was seen of about five hundred brethren at once, of whom the greater part remain unto this present, but some are falling asleep, fallen asleep. Well, I'm I'm blessed to report to you all today that there are still those who remain unto this present that know Christ, that walk with him, that have him inside them. And that is the exciting thing because of the victory he wrought. We have that testimony today. Verse 7, after that he was seen of James, then of all the apostles. And last of all, he was seen of me also as one born out of due time. Well, my beloved brethren, if, if you're hearing this scripture for the first time and you're hearing of the great victory of Jesus Christ for the first time, know that you can be like Paul, as one born out of due time. And we needn't look back into the past. We need only to move forward in the victory of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. And we will give you the incredible instruction of God today in how to do that. Verse 9, for I am the least of the apostles that am not meet to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church of God. Again, whatever your past may be, the Lord has made provisions for each and every one of us to move into his great victory and to leave that past behind. So we'll do that. It says in verse 10, here's Paul's statement, but by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace, which was bestowed upon me, was not in vain. But I labored more abundantly than they all. 
yet not I, but the grace of God, which was with me. You know, a lot of people could labor more to achieve what the Lord has for them in their life. They could. And that's what we're going to talk about today is how to labor in the Lord so that our labors are eternally rewarded. It says, therefore, whether it were I or they, so we preach and so ye believed. Here we go. Here's the resurrection now that Paul is pointing out and and laying out to these Corinthians. Verse 12. Now, if Christ be, be preached that he rose from the dead, how say some among you that there is no resurrection of the dead? But if there be no resurrection of the dead, then Christ is not risen. And if Christ is not risen, then is our preaching vain, and your faith is also vain. If this, if Christ's resurrection is not fully understood, the faith that we have in Christ as Christians, the faith in God Almighty is also vain. Isn't that interesting? That's how important this resurrection is. That's how incredibly significant, eternally significant it is. It's the very key to our faith having substance. The Greek meaning of that word vain means empty, devoid of truth, containing nothing. If Christ wasn't, if if this resurrection power isn't isn't his and isn't the gift he gave us as well. So this is very, very important. What a great point, Apostle Paul. Thank you for pointing that out. Let's go. Verse 15. It says, Yay, and we are found false witnesses of God. Wow. It totally nullifies everything we stand for if Christ, if we don't understand this resurrection. Because we have, we have testified of God that he raised up Christ whom he raised not up, if so be that the dead raise, rise not. <laughs> For if the dead rise not, then is not Christ raised. And if Christ be not raised, then your faith in, is vain. Ye are yet in your sins. See, the Corinthians were in the middle of uh, uh, some, they had some people coming in there trying to pull their faith and, and, and parse it out. And convince them that the resurrection isn't real. And there are there are churches now that don't teach about this because this is very deep meat and and they don't want to lose tithe payers. So they just skim over it. They don't give us the real meat and the real depth of understanding that Paul's laying out right here. And and because of that, a lot of Christians' faith doesn't have the victory in it, doesn't have that substance in it. Because if you if we don't understand Christ's resurrection and that eternal victory that he achieved, then we can't walk in that same eternal victory that he's given to us. That's why this is so important. That's why Paul is so impassioned here in 1 Corinthians to, to outline the incredible departure that if we don't get this resurrection, our faith is in vain. There's no in-between. There's no gray area. This is black and white. That's what Paul is outlining right here. And he'll get into it even more. So let's keep going. Here it says, Then they which are fallen asleep also, I'm sorry, Then they which are fallen asleep in Christ are perished, forever gone. 
if in this life only we have hope in Christ, we are of all men most miserable. That's right, that resurrection power, that understanding of our eternal habitation with Jesus Christ, that we shall be raised up again, is what gives us that incredible joy and that incredible peace. But now is Christ risen from the dead and become the first fruits of them that slept. Now in the word, they um, they explain, uh, David did it and does it in Psalms and Apostle Paul's doing it right here. They're explaining those that die, not as those that die or perish, but as those that are sleeping. Why? It's because of the resurrection. They're just in a, in a place of waiting. They're just asleep. They haven't been uh, fully sort of, they're not dead because there's eternal life for those that believe in this spiritual resurrection. There's eternal life. So all those that are sleeping, their body is asleep. And we'll hear in a little bit too, how that body will be resurrected and transformed as well. So this is really neat. This is so incredible. It says, verse 21, for since by man came death, speaking of Adam, by man came also the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, even so in Christ shall all be made alive. Again, this great contrast of what it is to have a spiritual walk with the Lord, what it is to know eternal life versus death. But every man in his own order, Christ the firstfruits, afterward they that are Christ's at his coming. Then cometh the end, when, we, when he shall have delivered up the kingdom of God, even the Father, when he shall have put down all rule and all authority and power. For he must reign till he hath put all enemies under his feet. The last enemy that shall be destroyed is death. Well, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Thank you for that incredible victory over death, over sin, sickness, and disease. Here we go, verse 27. For he hath put all things under his feet. When he saith, all things are put under him, it is manifest that he is accepted, which did put all things under him. And when all things shall be subdued unto him, then shall the Son also himself be subject unto him that put all things under him that God may be all in all. What a beautiful humility that, that Paul is laying out, that Jesus Christ also is subject to God the Father, as we all should be and as we all are that walk in Jesus Christ. Verse 29, Else what shall they do which are baptized for the dead, if the dead rise not at all? Why are they then baptized for the dead, and why we stand in je- and why stand we in jeopardy every hour? I protest by your rejoicing, which I have in Christ Jesus our Lord. I die daily. Paul is speaking of the flesh, that natural mind that needs to die daily, that we mortify the deeds of the flesh in the spirit when we walk in the spirit. In, in verse 32, if after the manner of men I have fought with beasts of Ephesus, what advantage is it me 
if the dead rise not? Let us eat and drink, for tomorrow we die. Well, a lot of people have this mentality. Just the, the living in the moment, you only live once mentality. And uh, Paul is saying, well, why would I fight for Christ if that's the case? Why would that? That's not, that isn't um, a very wise thing to do. If the dead rise not, if we don't have hope in, inter- in eternal life, if we don't have hope for the resurrection, then what's the point? But here Paul said, be not deceived. Evil communications corrupt good manners. So these Corinthians were having some evil communications, some people that were trying to um, nullify their faith by stripping the resurrection of the dead out of their uh, hope. But Paul is saying, can't allow that. That's going to corrupt good manners, those evil communications. So Paul says, this is 1 Corinthians 15, verse 34. And this is, this is our shout across this land as well. This is our, uh, our declaration here on Get Your Love On across the whole globe. Awake to righteousness and sin not, for some have not the knowledge of God. I speak this to your shame. It's our job to speak about God Almighty and his eternal righteousness. That's our job. That's our privilege and our joy. So let's awake to righteousness, put off sin, sickness, and disease, walk in the spirit, and you shall not obey the lusts of the flesh, and start start offering this knowledge of God, this pure knowledge that's found in the word. The King James Version of the Bible, that's what we read here on Get Your Love On, and it's for good reason. It's because it's it's the most pure translation. It was translated specifically to eliminate any bias, any agenda. It's just the word of God, and uh, it's beautiful. And so I'll say that again, awake to righteousness and sin not, for some have not the knowledge of God. I speak this to your shame. And then Paul says, but some man will say, how are the dead raised up? And with what body do they come? Okay, see these people, they have a very natural mind. They can only understand this spiritually significant conversation in a natural way. So Paul says, thou fool, that which thou sowest is not quickened, except it die. The word sowing is to plant the seed in the ground. In order to get anything to grow, you plant the seed in the ground, it breaks apart, and then it prospers. It's fed and it's it's watered and it prospers. And that's what Paul's talking about right here. And that which thou sowest, thou sowest not that body that shall be, but a bare grain. It may chance of wheat or of some other grain. But God giveth it a body as it hath pleased him, and to every seed his own body. Isn't that a wonderful example? How how Paul's explaining this? That one seed may look the same, but when you plant it in the ground, you allow it to break apart and start to prosper, and then it gives life, it springs forth. And no two plants are the exa- are exactly the same. Isn't that beautiful? And it's the same thing with our souls. God plants us. And then we have to go down. We'll, we'll, we'll discuss baptism and how 
that baptism is literally going down into that watery grave and coming up as a spiritual man, as a new body. It says in verse 38, but God giveth it a body as it has pleased him and to every seed his own body. Isn't that wonderful how unique and special each one of us are in God's eyes? God's very personal. He's very individual. And that's proof right there that God giveth it a body as it pleased him. That's so wonderful. Now here we go in verse 39. All flesh is not the same flesh, but there is one kind of flesh of men, another flesh of beasts, another of fishes, and another of birds. There are also celestial bodies and bodies terrestrial. Celestial means heavenly, okay? Terrestrial means earthly. So again, Paul is creating quite the contrast here. And he points out in verse 40, but the glory of the celestial is one and the glory of the terrestrial is another. So there, again, there's a real difference here that we are privy to through Paul's teaching. There's a real, there's a contrast. So let's continue to find out more about the very, um, the huge difference between these two bodies and what, and the difference between a natural life and a spiritual life. There is one glory of the sun and another glory of the moon and another glory of the stars. For one star differeth from another star in glory. Isn't that beautiful? Again, God is very individual. There's no cookie cutter approach to what the Lord's doing. Verse 42, so also is the resurrection of the dead. Ooh, all right. Paul's creating a really good logical sequence here. He's pointing out the very difference between a celestial and a terrestrial body. And then the glory the beauty that is represented in each. And so is the resurrection of the dead. It is sown in corruption. It is raised in incorruption. Couldn't be more different. The word corruption means decay, ruin, destroy, perish, to shrivel or wither, to spoil, defile. Wow. So the resurrection of the dead is sown in corruption. It's sown in ruin and destruction and, and it's withering and shriveling, okay? But, blessed be God, it is raised in incorruption. The word incorruption means incorruptibility, unending existence, genuineness, immortality, sincerity, undecaying, immortal. Wow. Again, huge contrast. Couldn't be more different. As far as from the east is from the west, corruption is from incorruption. Verse 43, it is sown in dishonor, it is raised in glory. It is sown in weakness, it is raised in power. It is sown a natural body, it is raised a spiritual body. There is a natural body and there is a spiritual body. Isn't this incredible? Paul is so clear here. He's so specific and so clear. And why churches don't teach this? The understanding of a spiritual body, 
the understanding of the difference between a natural mind and a spiritual mind. This is the very key to understanding the resurrection. Verse 45, And so it is written, The first Adam was made a living soul. The last Adam was made a quickening spirit. This is Jesus Christ of Nazareth, the quickening spirit. In Romans 6, 3, it says, Know ye not that so many of us were as we're baptized into Jesus Christ, we're baptized into his death. That's what that baptism is. That's, that's why it's so critical. Therefore, we are buried with him by baptism into death, that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. That is so incredible that that, that baptism into death allows us to then join Christ in his resurrection power. That's the key right here, my beloved friends. There, this is Romans 6, verse 4. Therefore, we are buried with him by baptism into death, that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. So let's walk in that newness of life by being obedient and getting baptized. It's so wonderful. Okay, let's get back to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. We're in verse 46 now. It says, How be it that was not first which is spiritual, but that which is natural, and afterward that which is spiritual. The first man is of the earth, earthy. The second man is the Lord from heaven. As is the earthy, such are they that are earthy. And as is the heavenly, such are they that also are heavenly. Okay, see this again, this massive contrast. And the reason that the natural is first, the earthy is first, is because each of us get to choose what we want to take on. It's our choice. We're established in that earthy, corruptible seed. And it's our choice whether or not we want to be obedient, heed the instruction of the word, get baptized, filled with the Holy Spirit, and take on that spiritual, heavenly representation and and body and mindset. That's our choice. So God Almighty in his wisdom gave first the earthy and first um, laid that out and gave us the option and the choice to choose something much more. Every, every body will be sown in that earthy place if that's their choice. And if it's our choice, if we choose, we will also then be raised in incorruption. Again, there's nothing more exciting that anyone can tell you than this information right here. And it's, it's up to us. It says right here, And as we have borne the image of the earthy, we shall also bear the image of the heavenly. Now this I say, brethren, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God. Neither doth corruption inherit incorruption. Behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trump, For the trumpet shall sound, and the dead shall be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. 
Isn't that beautiful? Thank you, Lord, for this incredible promise. 1 John 3, 2 says, Beloved, now are we the sons of God, and it doth not yet appear what we shall be. But we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. Our eyes will be fully opened. 2 Corinthians 3.18 But we of but we all, with open face beholding as in a glass the glory of the Lord, are changed into the same image from glory to glory, even as by the Spirit of the Lord. Philippians 3.20 For our conversation is in heaven, from whence also we look for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall change our vile body, that it may be fashioned like unto his glorious body, according to the working whereby he is able even to subdue all things unto himself. This is a really important distinction here, my dear friends. This, the, the resurrection applies to us as well. And we must be part of it, actually. I'm, here's Paul in verse, 43, in verse 53. We're back in 1 Corinthians 15. For this corruptible must put on incorruption, and this mortal must put on immortality. The only way to have eternal life is to become incorruptible, and immortal. And how do we do that? By being buried in baptism with Jesus Christ of Nazareth and walking in the Spirit. For when this corruptible shall have put on incorruption and this mortal shall have put on immortality, what shall be brought to pass? Then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, death is swallowed up in victory. It's the very key to walking in victory is understanding this resurrection that Jesus Christ of Nazareth rose from the dead, incorruptible, and gave us that same power. So when this, and then in verse 55, O death, where is thy sting? O grave, where is thy victory? The sting of death is sin, and the strength of the sin is the law. But thanks be to God, which giveth us the victory, through our Lord Jesus Christ. Beloved friends, our victory is through the Lord Jesus Christ, his resurrection power, the fact that he was raised incorruptible. And that is our victory as well. When we walk in the spirit, when we love the Lord, and what does it say? If you love me, keep my commandments. When we are obedient to that word, then it's, it's incredible. And that victory is what we walk in every day. That same victory over death, that same victory over the grave, that's what we walk in. That's our day-to-day existence. Isn't that wonderful? Every breath we take, we do, we do so in that resurrection power, in that great victory of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Because thanks be to God, which giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. So isn't that wonderful? Every breath we take is in that victory. It says, Therefore, my beloved brethren, be ye stand fast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, 
For as much as ye know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. And remember how Paul pointed out how our faith would be in vain if we don't understand the resurrection, if we don't accept the resurrection of Jesus Christ of Nazareth and for our own selves as well, then is our faith in vain. But we know that our labor is not in vain in the Lord because we know we do accept the resurrection. We believe it with everything that's in us and we celebrate it this day and every day. Bless God. Thank you, Lord, so much. Here's a Psalm 16, verse 8. It says, I have set the Lord always before me because he is at my right hand. I shall not be moved. Therefore, my heart is glad and my glory rejoiceth. My flesh also shall rest in hope. For thou wilt not leave my soul in hell, neither wilt thou suffer thine holy one to see corruption. Thou wilt show me the path of life. In thy presence is fullness of joy. At thy right hand there are pleasures forevermore. That's the faith that we get to have as well. For thou wilt not leave my soul in hell. When Jesus Christ died on that cross and he was in the nether parts of the world, of the earth, and and in a, a compartment of hell, so to speak, he believed this and he knew that God Almighty, his Father, would resurrect him. He knew that he, he had that hope as well. And that can be our hope as well, in that we know that whatever the circumstances are, even in these trying times that we're in right now, that we get to hope in Jesus Christ of Nazareth and that incredible victory that Christ wrought in his resurrection and his faith right here. And we can have that too. That's our stance. That's our example. Psalms 49 verse 6, it says, They that trust in their wealth and boast themselves in the multitude of their riches, none of them can by any means redeem his brother, nor give to God a ransom for him. That's right. There's there's no way to leave this life with anything. No, we, We've never seen a hearse with a U-Haul on it. It's because wealth and those that boast themselves in the multitude of the riches, they can't redeem a soul, that nor can they give God a ransom. No, they, nobody can buy their way into salvation. For the redemption of their soul is precious. This is Psalms 49, verse 8. And it ceaseth forever, that he should still live forever and not see corruption. So David knew this. David knew this. So it's, it's a challenge to all the religious churches out there that don't teach the resurrection, that don't teach the resurrection of the dead. David was talking about it here too, that it was possible to not see corruption, to be incorruptible. Really important there. For he seeth that wise men die, likewise the fool and the brutish person perish, and leave their wealth to others. Their inward thought is that their house shall continue forever, and their dwelling places to all generations they call their lands after their own names. Nevertheless, man being in honor abideth not. He is like the beasts that perish. So there, there is an ending to this life, this 
this sort of natural existence, this earthy existence, of course. And everyone, when that happens, they people die. And, and that's, um, that's one part of the story. But here we have in verse 15, but God will redeem my soul from the power of the grave and he shall receive me. Selah. This, this is the story for a spirit-filled Christian that accepts Jesus Christ of Nazareth and walks in victory. God will redeem my soul from the power of the grave for he shall receive me. This is, again, a, a real contrast to the natural way people understand things, to the natural way of looking at this and what God has to say about it. That's why it's important to get a spiritual mind and to look at things the way God sees them, not to look at the way look at things the way man or the natural mind sees it or the earthly mind. You know, again, when Paul... Paul was talking about there's an, a celestial body and a terrestrial body. Those are two very different things. So the more we seek God, the more we're in his word, the more we're reading it for ourselves and asking the Lord to show us things, the more we will become that spiritual man, the more we'll grow in the spirit. And that's what, that's what the Lord wants for all of us. In Job 19, this is incredible too. Again, these are these are the this is the Old Testament and what it had to say about God's ability to resurrect. And this was before Christ. And then Christ came and demonstrated it for us and gave us that same victory so that we too can say, "All right. That's for me. Yes, Lord, I want that victory. I want that in my life. And I want nothing less. Don't accept anything less. No, Christ was victorious. He resurrected. He he was shown incorruptible. And we can have that too. In fact, we must have that. That's what Paul said. We, this corruptible must put on incorruption. We must have that. So certainly we can't accept anything less. So let's not. Let's make that determination in our own souls, each and every one of us, individually. Lord, I want all of you. Lord, show me how every day I want to get baptized, Lord. I want to do things your way. I want to get baptized. Show me how to do that. Lord, I want the Holy Spirit. I want to speak in tongues. I want all of you, God. Let's, let's do that because we must. <laughs> we must put on incorruptible. We must. And that's... that's um. That's an incredible thing. And, and it's not, you know, it's not taught much in a lot of religious organizations. It's not taught very often in, uh, in a lot of places. It's not taught. This knowledge is, isn't very well known. And it's because a lot of, a lot of churches, um, they don't have the infilling of the Holy Spirit. And they don't walk in that spiritual mindset so they have a natural understanding of the word and of the scripture. And it says, the letter killeth, but the spirit giveth life. So as we walk in the spirit, we will have life more abundant. And we will put on immortality. That's what the Lord gives us. That's his, that's his victory. Let's go to Job 19, verse 25. 
for I know that my Redeemer liveth. Isn't that beautiful? I know my Redeemer liveth. Yes, we get to say the same thing. I know my Redeemer liveth, Jesus Christ of Nazareth. We're celebrating his resurrection today, and every breath I take, we get to celebrate his resurrection. That's our gift from the Lord, is to to know that he lives, and that he shall stand at the latter day upon the earth. And though after my skin worms destroy this body, yet in my flesh shall I see God. How is that possible? It's because of what Paul said. And we'll get to it here in 1 Thessalonians as well. It's because Paul said that corruptible, that body that's buried in the ground, that's just sleeping. That's why Paul says they're just sleeping. It shall be raised up and made incorruptible. So even though the, you know, the natural decomposition process happens to our natural body. God doesn't care. That doesn't stop God's resurrection power. Just like Christ's body was very badly uh, abused and, and tortured and mutilated before he was resurrected. When he was resurrected, what that wasn't the case. He had the holes in his hands that Thomas could could see, but that was a merely so that the Lord could demonstrate that. But he was beautiful. He was shining. And that's our, that's our resurrection too. Our natural body will see God. Yet in my flesh shall I see God. That's what Job says. That's because that's the part of the resurrection as well. Here it says, verse 27, this is Job 19. Whom I shall see for myself, and mine eyes shall behold, and not another though my reins be consumed within me. See, again, this is, a, this is what Paul was saying. I show you a mystery because Job understood this as well. The Holy Spirit was revealing this to him. And Lord, I ask that through the Holy Spirit, you reveal these incredible mysteries to all those that are listening today. Isaiah 25 verse 8, it says, He will swallow up death in victory. And the Lord God will wipe away tears from off all faces. And the rebuke of his people shall he take away from off all the earth. For the Lord hath spoken it. And it shall be said in that day, Lo, this is our God. We have waited for him and he will save us. This is the Lord. We have waited for him. We will be glad and rejoice in his salvation. And that's today. Lord, thank you so much for swallowing up death in victory. And as we walk in the Spirit, as we allow the Lord to mold us in His image, as we allow that corruption to, to pass, and we seek more and more of that, those incorruptible treasures, then, then we'll see how the Lord wipes away tears from off our faces. And we, we don't we don't even feel the rebuke of from off all the earth. We don't even feel that when we're walking in the spirit. It's such a beautiful thing. Hosea 13, 14, it says, I will ransom them from the power of the grave. Wow, that is incredible. This is Hosea's faith prophesying of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. I will ransom them from the power of the grave. I will redeem them from death. O death, I will be thy plagues. O grave, 
I will be thy destruction. I love how Christ flips the script on death and everything that was laid out through the sin of Adam and Eve. Christ completely flips the script on it. Isn't that wonderful? I mean, that that's enough to keep us walking and leaping and praising God all the days of our life. Death has no power over us. He has redeemed us from death. He gave himself as a ransom from the power of the grave. Let's go to 1 Thessalonians 4 now and um, get gain some more understanding of what this resurrection means for us personally, for us individually. 1 Thessalonians 4 verse 13, it says, But I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning, concerning them which are asleep. So again, those that have died in the flesh, Paul's, Paul's calling them asleep because he knows that their bodies will be resurrected. That ye sorrow not, even as others which have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so them also which sleep in Jesus will God bring with him. For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord, that we which are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord shall not prevent them which are asleep. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. So shall we ever be with the Lord. So this is speaking of when Christ comes and the rapture. So those that are dead in Christ shall rise first. That's that corruptible seed taking on incorruption. That's what Paul's talking about. So our spirit, when we pass away, when we die, goes to be with the Lord immediately. And then our, our body, it's resting. It's asleep in the ground. And then when that trump sounds, the dead in Christ shall rise first. And that corruptible seed takes on incorruption, just like we saw with Christ. That's our example. And that's for us as well. And it says, wherefore, comfort one another with these words. Well, yes, that's very comforting to know that we will be reconnected with all of our loved ones that have passed away, that are asleep in Christ. Hebrews 12, verse 1. Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses. That's the cloud that was being spoken of in 1 Thessalonians 4 where it says, Then we, which are alive and remain, shall be caught up together with them in the clouds. Isn't that beautiful? Let's be part of that. Let's be part of that cloud that are there waiting, that cloud of witnesses. That's what we want to be a part of. Let us, in verse in uh, Hebrews 12, verse 1, Let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so with which doth so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us. Yes, we certainly want that cloud of witnesses. And, and we can rest assured, too, if you're in a place where you've been a little bit sequestered off, say, Lord, show me that cloud of witnesses that I get to be a part of. Lord, will you show me that? And he will. He will show you that. 
because he loves us all so much. He wants us to know that we're not alone. We are a part of this great cloud of witnesses that that know the Lord Jesus Christ, that recognize the incredible victory in his resurrection, and that walk in that incredible victory in that. Uh, In Acts 1, this is what Christ is saying. Acts 1, it says, Christ is talking to, this is after he has been resurrected. This is what he tells the disciples. But ye shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And ye shall be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem and in all of Judea and in Samaria, and unto the uttermost parts of the earth. Well, bless God, that's happening today. And and there isn't a, a more wonderful thing that we can be witnesses of than the resurrection of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Verse 9, this is Acts 1, verse 9. And when he had spoken these things, while they beheld, he was taken up, and a cloud received him out of their sight. Again, that cloud of witnesses, that's what we get to be part of. Isn't that beautiful? Let's make sure we're reminding everyone we know about this incredible resurrection, that cloud of witnesses that Christ was caught up in after being seen of the disciples. But I'll tell you this again, religious churches don't know how to teach this, and that's that's nothing new. They had a tough time in the book of Acts, too. Let's go to Acts 17, verse 18. It says, Then certain philosophers of the Epicureans and of the Stoics encountered him. This is speaking of Apostle Paul. And some said, What will this babbler say? Other, other some He seemeth to be a setter forth of strange gods because he preached unto them Jesus and the resurrection. When when they only have a very limited, small, natural mind, that's what's going to happen. People are going to say, oh, that's what are you babbling about? What are you babbling about? Or that sounds very that sounds like a strange God. No, it's not. It's the gospel of Jesus Christ, Nazareth. And in Acts 23, Paul actually um, was, was again, facing these same sort of religious questions and people of a religious mind that just couldn't get it. Acts 23, verse 6. But when Paul perceived that the one part were Sadducees and the other Pharisees, he cried out in the council, Men and brethren, I am a Pharisee, the son of a Pharisee. Of the hope and resurrection of the dead, I am called into question. So even even in the book of Acts, there were denominations, and the Sadducees didn't believe in a resurrection, and the Pharisees did, and these were all Jews. They were all part of the religious organization at the time. It says in verse 7, And when he had said so, there arose a dissension between the Pharisees and the Sadducees, and the multitude was divided. Hmm. For the Sadducees say there is no resurrection, neither angel nor spirit, but the Pharisees confess both. (laughs) And there arose a great cry, and the scribes that were of the Pharisees' part arose and strove, saying, We find no evil in this man, but if a spirit or an angel hath spoken to him, let us not fight against God. And when there arose a great dissension, the chief captain, fearing lest Paul should have pulled, been pulled in pieces of them, commanded the soldiers to go down and to take him by force from among them and to bring him into the castle. The religious world always has their parameters, their little boxes to try to squeeze parts of the scriptures into. 
But God is much bigger than that. He's eternity big. And so that's why having any kind of religious precepts or religious indoctrination does not help in understanding Christ. In fact, if you want to know Christ, forget everything you've ever learned and just open your Bible and start reading. You can start reading in John and read through the Gospels. And, and the Lord himself will open these mysteries up. He does that. It's not through religion. It's not through form and ritual. It's through the, through the Holy Spirit. It's through Jesus Christ of Nazareth. And Paul saw that, and he actually used it to his advantage because he recognized that they were part Sadducees, and they didn't believe in the resurrection, and part Pharisees, and they did believe in the resurrection. And so he was actually able to escape out of that situation because of that division among them. Well, Christ is united. There shouldn't be any division in Christ. But here again, some Sadducees who, again, didn't believe in the resurrection. That's why they were so sad, you see. (laughs) That was a a nice uh, way of remembering that that Brother Bob taught us some years ago. Let's go to Matthew 22, verse 23. This is really incredible, too, because, again, we're, we're dealing with a natural mind that doesn't quite, that not quite, it absolutely can't understand the resurrection because it, that is a spiritual matter. And so the same day came to him the Sadducees, which say there is no resurrection, and asked him. So these people that don't believe in a resurrection are going to ask him about marriage in the resurrection. And uh, we'll skip down to verse 28. And they ask, Therefore in the resurrection, whose wife shall be, she be? Because one man died and his brother at the time, the, the um, next of kin would take on the wife. And so they're asking, whose wife is this going to be? Well, here's Christ's answer. This is awesome. Verse 29, Jesus answered and said unto them, Ye do err, not knowing the scriptures, nor the power of God. All right, let's make sure we know our scriptures and the power of God. It says, For in the resurrection they neither marry nor are given in marriage, but are as the angels of God in heaven. But as touching the resurrection of the dead, have ye not read that which was spoken unto you by God, saying, I am the God of Abraham, and the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob? God is not the God of the dead, but of the living. That's another reason that we must put on incorruption. We must, because God is the God of the living, not of the dead. So we can't have that death. Be a, there's, there's no room for that in our lives. God is the God of the living. It's very precious. It says, and when the multitude heard this, they were astonished at his doctrine. Isn't that wonderful? That's because they were looking at it from a natural mind, and Christ was giving them some spiritual revelation. All right, here's John 40. We'll leave you with this, and then we have an awesome message from uh, a wonderful minister of God. This is John 40. And this is the will of him that sent me, that every one which seeth the Son and believeth on him may have everlasting life. And I will raise him up at the last day. Isn't that wonderful? That's Christ speaking. And that everyone which seeth the Son and believeth on him can have that everlasting life. 
It's beautiful, and it's the most incredible victory mankind has ever known. Well, we have a really special message to underscore this victory and how we can walk in it daily and how we can rely on the Lord and rest in the Lord. We have a message from our friend Trish. She's a wonderful woman of God who was raised in a true fivefold ministry, and so the Lord's given her great understanding of the word because of this. This is her message. It's called Under His Wing. Here's our friend, Sister Trish. Well, greetings, everyone. It's so good to see you today. I want to encourage the hearts of God's people, beautiful people of God. Today, I'm going to talk about times where we have to tuck under the wings of the Lord. In Isaiah 26, verse 3, it says, Thou wilt keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on thee, because he trusteth in thee. In over in Psalm 63, verse 7, Because thou hast been my help, therefore in the shadow of thy wings will I rejoice. Over in Isaiah 26, 20, it says, Come, my people, come. Enter thou into thy chambers and shut thy doors about thee. Hide thyself, as it were, for a little moment until the indignation be overpassed. Over in Psalms 91, 1, I'm just going to read number 1, verse 1 at first. He that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. It's such a beautiful, safe place to be because there are, there are times of trouble. If we're on the face of this earth and we're in these earthen vessels, you will have times of trouble that come upon you during your course and during your walk here. And I want to comfort your hearts right now that the Lord has already made a safe place for you and a way for you to get through those times. He'll keep you in peace when your mind is stayed on him. He'll keep you in that perfect peace. If you're finding yourself getting a little shook and uneasy, just think upon him. Go to the Lord, get quiet, tuck away in your room, get quiet and think upon him. Open his word and talk to him. It's very personal. And trust him. Trust him. Over in Psalms 91, I'm going to continue again in verse 2. I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge and my fortress. My God, in him will I trust. That fortress, that mighty wall that encompasses around about you and protects you. And there are times, like over in Isaiah 26, when he says, enter into your chambers and close the door. Shut the doors about thee and hide yourself as for a little moment. Now, that little moment can be a dispensation of time in our realm, can feel like forever. 
you know, if it's more than a day, if it's more than, some people, if it's more than 15 minutes, they start to feel, oh dear, what am I going to do? But as you spend more time with the Lord, you tuck in with him and you learn to quiet yourself. It's going to become a place of great comfort, great consolation, a beautiful, beautiful place. And you'll actually start to prefer it. We have to tuck in with him and have that safety. And it'll remove you from all the turmoil that's going on around you, if there be any turmoil. And through this life, there you will have days that are like that. So tuck in, get quiet, think upon him, rest in him, and find that perfect peace. Keep your mind fixed on him. And that little moment in God's eyes, even though it may seem like a long time to us, sometimes a little moment can be a week, a month, several months, could be several years. But God, when he sees our life, it's but a twinkling of an eye. It's just, it, it's life is but a vapor. It passes away quickly to him. Because time is, it just passes very quickly. So to him, it, it's but a moment if you have to tuck away. Just do it. Surely he shall deliver thee from the snare of the fowler and from the noisome pestilence. He's going to deliver you when you tuck in and wait on him, no matter what it is you're facing, he will deliver you when you're trusting him. He shall cover thee with his feathers and under his wings shalt thou trust. His truth shall be thy shield and buckler. It'll protect you. Thou shalt not be afraid of the terror by night, nor for the arrow that flieth by day, nor for the pestilence that walketh in darkness, nor for the destruction that wasteth at noonday. A thousand shall fall at thy side and ten thousand at thy right hand, but it shall not come nigh thee. Even if, if there's a time where people are dropping like flies all around you, it's not going to come nigh you. And I'm going to tell you why. Let's just skip down to verse 9. In Psalms 91, verse 9, let's see why it won't come nigh you. Why you don't need to be over-troubled and over-distressed. Number 9, because thou hast made the Lord, which is my refuge, even the Most High, thy habitation. If that's, where you, if that's your habitation, that's where your mind is. That's where your mind exists. That's where your mind dwells. It lingers there. It stays there. It finds its abode there in the habitation of God. When your mind is stayed on him, you're going to have peace. There shall no evil befall thee. Neither shall any plague come nigh thy dwelling. When you do that, when you tuck in with him, when you rest in him, when you think upon him, and you make his abode your habitation, where you dwell, where you think, where you ponder. Even if you're out in the world and you're at your job or you're doing your daily activities, always have your mind upon the Lord and the things of the Lord. Have your mind inhabit that place. 
and inquire of him. Well, Lord, you know, what's the good answer here? What should I be doing there? Inquire of him. Interact with him. Make that your place. And when you do that, no plague can come near you then because you're above it all. A plague of fear or terror or whatever. Just go to him. For he shall give his angels charge over thee to keep thee in all thy ways. And that's something. The incredible things that God does for your soul. When you make him your habitation, when you make him your dwelling place in your mind, when your mind is fixed on him and ponders on him and inquires of him, the Lord shall give his angels charge over you and they will direct your paths. They will tell you when you should tuck in. They'll tell you when you should go out. They'll tell you where you should go or if you shouldn't go. They'll tell you what you should say and what you shouldn't say. They will literally guide you. It's the most beautiful, beautiful thing when you walk in that orchestration of God. They shall bear thee up in their hands, lest thou dash thy foot against a stone. They'll guide you perfectly. Now, they're going to guide you from involuntary hurt. That involuntary hurt. Now, I'm going to give you an example of what involuntary hurt is. This is a hurt that comes upon you, not by any of your own doing. Uh, over in Acts 28, verse 3, I'm going to talk about Paul. Now, Paul was on a prison ship, and there was a great storm that arose, and the ship broke, broke apart. Now, Paul was a righteous man. He is a righteous man. He just exists in a different uh, form now. He's in spirit form. But at one time, he walked here, like we do right now, in a fleshly vessel. And when he was in that ship, the angel of the Lord, those angels that had charge over him, that guided him and took care of him, told him that he needed to abandon the ship. You get everybody to abandon the ship and head to shore. And they followed his instruction. And doing that, they saved their lives. See, the Lord will guide you. He'll tell you where you should be and where you shouldn't be. So over in Acts 28, verse 3, And when Paul had gathered a bundle of sticks, now they were on this island, and they needed to warm themselves up, so he went out to gather a bundle of sticks and laid them on the fire. Out came a viper out of the heat and fastened on his hand. A deadly viper just jumped right out. And when the barbarians saw the venomous beast hang on his hand, they said among themselves, No doubt this man is a murderer, whom, though he hath escaped the sea, yet vengeance suffereth not to live. Now they knew some basic principles there. They had a basic understanding of the principles that they governed themselves over. They automatically, when they saw this deadly viper bite him, they knew that was a death sentence. And here Paul had just escaped dying in the sea, and he was on land, and now this viper had proclaimed that death sentence on him. And they go, oh, he must have been a murderer, because if you murder somebody, then you're, you'll um, lose your life. It's called that vengeance or that punishment 
for your behavior. There's a punishment for your behavior. I'm going to go over and elaborate on that over in Romans 12, 19. It says, Dearly beloved, avenge not yourself. And I'm going to describe about the vengeance of the Lord when it talks of vengeance. Beloved, avenge not yourself, but rather give place unto wrath. So don't go and try and justify yourself or get even in a fit of rage. Don't do that. For it is written, vengeance is mine, I will repay, saith the Lord. He's going to punish evildoers. He's going to have a punishment for all of them. And over Matthew 16, verse 27, it says, For the Son of Man shall come in the glory of his Father with his angels. So Jesus is going to return back with his angels. And then he shall reward every man according to his works. So God isn't this big ogre. He is a just God. And when he brings vengeance or uh, when that vengeance comes, comes from God, it's the reward that you receive for your behaviors. In other words, you determine what you get at the end of the course or throughout your life. You determine it by your behaviors. Now here, Paul was a righteous man, and we're going to read on and we're going to see what kind of uh, judgment was with him, how God judged it for Paul. Now they thought right away, he's got a death sentence on him. He must be a murderer, but was he? Paul was a, a righteous man. He did the will of God. He did what was pleasing in God's sight. He listened to those angels. He listened to the voice of God. So let's go on. Back to Acts 28, verse 5. So here this viper lumps a hold of his hand. And he shook off the beast into the fire and felt no harm. He just shook it off. Howbeit, they looked. When he should have swollen or fallen down dead suddenly. But after they had looked a great while and saw no harm come to him, they changed their minds and said that he was a god. Wow, that's quite a change. Isn't that something? They looked at him and they saw that no harm came on him. Why? Because that's how he was judged. He was judged by his works. And his works were right before God. And he, had, he was full of the Holy Ghost and the power and authority that comes with it. Over in Mark 16, 18, is where it foretold of that. They shall take up serpents, and if they drink any deadly thing, it shall not hurt them. Paul was an enactment of that declaration. They shall lay hands on the sick, and they shall recover. So there's a great restorative and healing power of God in a soul that follows after the Lord and listens to the instruction of God and is pleasing to him and has that innocency in them, that beauty and majesty of God. There's a power that comes with that. There's a protection that comes with that. So let's just see what happens to Paul after they realized he's not going to drop dead. Oh my gosh. Well, he must be a God. Well, he has God within him and all the power and authority that comes on, comes on it. 
Mm -hmm. So going back in, the, in verse 7, it says, In the same quarters were possessions of the chief men of the island, whose name was Publius, who received us and lodged us three days courteously. Well, isn't that something? The heathens that were on that island opened up their hospitality and received them and lodged them for three days. And it came to pass that the father of Publius lay sick of a fever and of a bloody flux, to whom Paul entered in and prayed and laid his hands on him and healed him. Doesn't that line up with the scriptures there? It sure does. So when this was done, others also, which had disease in the island, came and were healed. Isn't that something? Do you see the beautiful judgment of God? God judged Paul faithful and rewarded him according to his behavior. And his behavior was pleasing to God. It fulfilled the word of God, and consequently he was given all of the rewards of it, all of it was given to him because he fully 100% with all of his heart and all of his might followed after the Lord. There's your key. Now there are times, and I want to cover this because you're going to have many, many different journeys in your life. You're going to have many different experiences through your lifetime. And I know I have, I've journeyed these places. Um, over in Isaiah 57, verse 1, it covers, this is the scripture I got, when at times you're going to see the judgment of God is just. He really does know what he's doing, and he always does the very best. Like I said, he gauges it according to your behavior. According to your behavior. Now, what about when he takes somebody who is innocent, and righteous and pure and has lived that full life and he just comes along and takes them if they succumb and the Lord comes and takes them out of these carcasses. He did that to my son who was very young. He was a young man and the Lord came and this is the scripture he gave me because where did I go when my heart was troubled and I was in that state of grief? And I, I did, I, I did grieve over him because the flesh misses the flesh. I realized that I'm real, but I also know and understand God, and He is my safe place to go. He's that safe place that I dwell twenty four seven. I dwell with Him. My mind is stayed upon Him. And this is what He gave me was Isaiah fifty seven verse one: "The righteous perisheth." and no man lay it to heart, and merciful men, and my son was very merciful. I had many, many accounts given to me of the great mercy that my son showed to so many people. And merciful men are taken away, none considering that the righteous is taken away from the evil to come. He shall enter into peace. Now, if you're living in this life there's going to be tribulation. There's going to be trials. There's going to be difficulties. There's going to be heartache. There's going to be pain and agony at times. Go to the Lord and find your comfort there, and he will give you your peace. During it, he's teaching you now how to ride those times through 
and get your solace from him, which is what I did. When my heart would have to go through a difficult journey, I would get my solace and my comfort from the Lord. And my son entered into a place of peace. Over in Revelations 21.4, it describes it. And God shall wipe away all the tears from their eyes. He doesn't have to cry anymore. He doesn't have to feel heartache anymore. And there shall be no more death, neither sorrow, nor crying, neither shall there be any more pain. He will never have to suffer the pains that we suffer while we're here. For the former things are passed away. There's the comfort when you go to God, go to him and let him comfort your soul. Let him allow your soul to go through those journeys that they need to go through when you're, you're going through a valley of tribulation, trial, uncertainty, uncertain times. Whatever it is, whatever befalls you, learn how to tuck away and close your doors behind you and tuck into that safe place until the indignation be passed. Till the... the um, Till it's safe for you to go out, whether it's safe for your heart to go out there, whether it's safe for you to physically go out there, whatever it is, just tuck away and wait on the Lord and his angels, they will guide you. They'll tell you where you should be. Now, Paul, he had that viper lamp, lamp on him, not by any of his, he wasn't playing with snakes. He wasn't trying to charm them. In other words, he wasn't tempting God in any way, shape or form. It's something that befell him, not by his own doing. It was just uh, an unforeseen instance where that happened. But God used it to make an example of his power, his authority, and his judgment, his final call, his decision. What a wonderful thing to be in that place. We'll tuck in and the Lord he will speak to you. He will comfort you. He will reaffirm you. He will reassure you. And even if it's a journey that takes a while, he will knit you up and he will heal your heart. He did that for me. I knew he would do it for me. Even when all I could do at times was put one foot in front of the other, the Lord saw me through it. I just did what, exactly what he told me to do. I followed him each and every day. And he did restore me fully and completely. And he gave me such comfort and understanding. He really did. And he'll do that regardless of what you're facing, regardless of what you're going through. He will make a way for you. So let's go back to Psalms 91 and, and we'll start in, down in verse 13. Thou shalt tread upon the lion and adder. The young lion and the dragon shalt thou trample under feet. See, you'll have power and authority over th those things that can go across and ravage a land, ravage a people, ravage an area, or ravage a person's life. You will have authority over it, and you'll be able to put it under your feet so it's not looming in your face and terrifying you. Because, in verse 14, because he hath set his love upon me, therefore will I deliver him. I will set him on high because he hath known my name. Well, if you're spending your time with him, interacting with him, he's going to know your name. He shall call upon me and I will answer him. 
I will be with him in trouble. I will deliver him and honor him. When you go to the Lord and you call upon him, he will deliver you. And your righteous and your works are based on a desire to serve him properly, listening to him, being guided by him. He, and he will honor that soul. He will honor them with long life, will I satisfy him and show him my salvation. So if you're tucking away with the Lord, if he set up a scenario in your life where you have to be closed in for a while and you have to be tucked away, he's going to show you his salvation. He's going to reveal things to you. You're going to be gaining something here. You're not going to be losing. You're going to be gaining. You're going to gain a perspective. You're going to regain a whole new uh, momentum in your life or a direction if you wait on him. There's times where I've told different ones, just tuck away and be still and be quiet. Well, if God tells you you need to tuck away and be still and be quiet, embrace that. There's a time where God gave very specific instruction to his people over in Exodus 12, starting in verse 3. Speak ye unto all the congregation of Israel, saying, In the tenth day of this month they shall take to them every man a lamb, according to the house of their fathers, a lamb for an house. Now here, there's something going to befall the land on the whole, where God's people are. And they're getting very specific outline of instructions on what they should do. And he's telling them, now you take a lamb. Your lamb shall be without blemish. So it has to be unflawed. That absolute perfect lamb. A male of the first year. You shall take it out from the sheep or from the goats. Now that this is speaking of Old Testament. Of how the people of Israel were being. Um, having it lined out from God. Very specific through the mouth of a man. They were getting very anointed man. They were getting an outline of what they should be doing during this time. Moses lined it out beautifully. Over in 1 Peter 1, 19, God lines it out for us today. But with the precious blood of Christ as a lamb without blemish and without spot, today Christ is that lamb. So if you're facing something and you need that covering, you go to that perfect sacrifice, that lamb without blemish. That's why Christ was sacrificed for you, to bring you into that deep place with him, the place that I'm describing. Throughout all this message, I'm describing that place. That's how you get there. You get there by going down into baptism, into that watery grave with the Lord, who died for us and rose again on the third day. And his blood was shed for us and that sprinkled blood that he shed for us. We take it upon us when we go down into that water and everything that we've done before that time is washed away. It's called remission of sins. So that when God has that judgment there, those old things are no longer a consideration. They're gone. And there's a whole clean slate and everything that you do from that point on will determine how God's going to lay out a matter, what your judgment and what your um, 
your punishment will be, what the end result will be, whether you will receive great blessing or whether you're going to receive the, re the repercussions of your evil deeds. It's one or the other. So here you are, brand new clean slate. You've got the blood of Jesus now and those posts that you're putting it on now, those posts that I'm going to describe here is the post of your heart. It's the doorway into your heart. That blood of Jesus is on the doorway going into your heart in the spirit. Everything that they did in the natural in the Old Testament, they do in the spirit today. I'm going to go on in Exodus to continue with that instruction that they received. Then Moses called for all the elders of Israel and said unto them, draw out and take you a lamb according to your families and kill the Passover. Now this was for the Passover and that blood they had taken and ye shall take a bunch of hyssop and dip it in the blood that is in the basin and sprinkle the lintel and the two side posts with the blood that is in the basin. And here's a further instruction. After they've sprinkled that blood, nowadays you go down into water baptism. Your sins are washed away in the remission. You come up and you've got that blood that's sprinkled on the doors of your heart. That's the doorway to your heart, the entrance to your heart. And then he gave them further instruction. None of you shall go out at the door of his house until the morning. There's times where the Lord will just tell you, you tuck in. You tuck away with me. Stay quiet and tucked away with me and you'll be safe when you do that. Mm -hmm. Verse 23, for the Lord will pass through to smite the Egyptians when he seeth the blood upon the lintel and on the two side posts, the Lord will pass over the door and will not suffer the destroyer to come in unto your house to smite you. Now, when you have that blood of Jesus on the doorpost of your heart, the enemy can't come in there to smite you. You have that protection. Back then, they tucked in their, ho their homes, and they had to stay there. Mm -hmm. Yep. And when they tucked in and they stayed put where they were told to be, no harm came upon them. And he says, none of you will go out of your house until the morning. He gave a specific time frame. For the Lord will pass through to smite the Egyptians when he sees the blood of the lintel and the two side posts. The Lord will pass over the door and will not suffer the destroyer to come into your house to smite you. It bears repeating. There is a covering there. But you notice how there was instruction from the Lord too. And the people had to follow that instruction and they had to be faithful. They had to be obedient. And they had to stay put in the place that God put them. So yeah, he does tuck you away at times. Remember how he tucked you away earlier? If you're in the midst of and the throes of it, and he says, just tucked away until the indignation be passed, till all this is done, just hide under my wing, tuck in with me. If God wants his people quiet and on their knees before him, I can't think of a better place that you could be Ministers of God, overseers of the flocks and of the precious sheep, teach your people these precepts so when things do come upon them and difficult times come upon them, because there's all manner of things that can hit us while we're on the face of this earth. There's earthquakes and 
Um, you know, that just to name one, uh, windstorms, all sorts of things that can cause a great destruction. Um, there's many, many different things that can befall a group of people or an area or whatever. And when your people are well prepared, they will know how to tuck in with the Lord and find their safety. And they will know how to be instructed by the Lord as to where to go here and where to go there. Make sure you direct them to the Lord and teach them how to listen to the Lord and how to be moved and guided by the Lord. Because then they'll know where that safe place is because it is a one-on-one -on -one walk. And that way they won't be leaning on your arm or on the arm of flesh, but they'll be leaning on God, which is who you lean upon too. Do, do thou likewise, lean upon him, tuck in with him. Mm -hmm. I'm going to go over to 1 Peter 1, and I'm going to start in verse 1. Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to the strangers scattered throughout, and he names all these different places. Well, I'm talking today to strangers. These are people that I haven't met, but I love you. I love you with a great love because it's the heart of God that I feel, that great compassion for you. And you're in the different areas for any of you. Some of you, I know you suffer great persecution. My heart is there for you. And I, I acknowledge you today. And I enjoin with you in your cause with great love and compassion and great prayer, prayers of uplifting and encouragement from the Lord. Elect according to the foreknowledge of God the Father through sanctification of the Spirit unto obedience. I pray for each one of you to have that sanctification of the Spirit and obedience to his leading, obedience to his word, obedience to the moving of his Spirit upon the face of the earth so you know where you should be and where you shouldn't be. And sprinkling of the blood of Jesus on those gates of your heart, grace unto you and peace be multiplied. While well, you remember where you find that peace, when your mind is stayed upon the Lord, you will be, you will find that peace. And when you're there, it'll be multiplied. You won't be terrified. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to his abundant mercy, hath begotten us again unto a lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance incorruptible. We have a, a goal that is way beyond anything in this world and undefiled that fadeth not away, reserved in heaven for you. There's one thing, and I'm going to um, get to scripture to back it up in a bit, but there's one thing that will never fade away, and that's the word of God. It's an incredible thing. So what safety is there when you're just tucked in and you're pondering on his word? And even when you're going about your dailies and you're thinking upon his word, well, what does his word say? Where should I be? What does his word say? What should I be doing? What does his word say? What should I be saying? What lines up with his word? What is pleasing to God? Do you see that guideline? and you will be in that perfect place with him. To inherit incorruptible and undefiled, and that fadeth not away, reserved for you in heaven. It's there, it's waiting for you. It is reserved. 
who are kept. You're kept by the power of God through faith unto salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. When you have that perfect trust, that perfect confidence, and that faith in God, you will be reserved by him through his power. When you've got that infilling of the Holy Ghost, you've gone down in that water, you've had the post of your heart marked with his blood, you will be held safe. Wherein ye greatly rejoice, though now for a season, even if there's a dispensation of time, if need be, ye are in heaviness through manifold temptations. Do you see that? If you're here and you're suffering manifold temptations, you still get to greatly rejoice. Even if you're going through that, if your mind is stayed on him, that the trial of your faith, being much more precious than of gold, that perisheth, though it be tried with fire, might be found under praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ. Look at how much he honored Paul for being absolutely steadfast and on point with him. He had that power and authority while he was here, and now he's sitting with God throughout all eternity. Mm -hmm. Whom having not seen, ye love. In whom now know, though now ye see him not, yet believing, ye rejoice with joy unspeakable and full of, full of glory. When you wait on him and you start telling him how much you love him and you trust him fully knowing he's going to deliver you, fully knowing he's going to lift the tribulation that you're in at the current time, he's going to lift it. It will pass. That indignation will pass. And rejoice in him. And he will fill you with that great joy. You'll feel it. It's unmistakable. In the midst of some of the greatest heartaches I ever had, I also had that great joy. And I would glory in him and rejoice in him. Even though my heart was heavy, I rejoiced in the hope of knowing he was going to put my heart back together again. And he did. He is a faithful God. I trusted him. I believed him. And he did it. And he will throughout all time. Mm -hmm. Receiving the end of your faith even the salvation of your souls, of which salvation the prophets have inquired and searched diligently. We're talking about the prophets in the Old Testament who prophesied of the grace that should come unto you. They spoke of it ahead of time in the Old Testament. They would prophesy of the coming of the Messiah. They would prophesy about it, searching what or what manner of time the Spirit of Christ, which was in them, did signify when it testified beforehand the sufferings of Christ and that the glory that should follow, they would prophesy about it and look and watch for it. Unto whom it was revealed that not unto themselves, they never got to partake in it, but unto us they did minister the things which are now reported unto you by them that have preached the gospel unto you with the Holy Ghost sent down from heaven, which things the angels desire to look into. When you get that baptism in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth and the remission of your sins, they're all washed away, and you get the infilling of the Holy Ghost, that power that those prophets prophesied of. They looked for, they longed for, but they never got to see it. 
you now have it for those of you that embrace it and believe it and reach out in faith. Just reach out and say, Lord, here am I. Guide me. Show me, Lord, how to receive a deeper walk with you, how to receive your spirit, how to receive everything that you have for me. It is personal. It is one-on-one, -on -one, and the Lord will immediately be there to guide you and give you your answers. Just get quiet and listen. He will guide you. He will show you where to go. He will give you your answers. And he will give you that ongoing power to be able to completely renew your life in a whole new way. And if you've been stumbling along the way and you're tucked away with him, he's going to regenerate a newness in you and revive those places in you when you wait on him. You praise him and love him. And he's going to wash away those things that don't need to be there. And he'll bring a whole new approach for some of you into how to um, proceed further. It's the most beautiful place you could possibly be. Mm -hmm. Yeah, the angels desire to look into these things. The angels desire to look into those things that you freely have been given by that sacrifice that Jesus made. Wherefore, gird up the loins of your mind. Be sober, not flippant. Slow down. When you're sober, you take your time. You ponder and you weigh things. And hope to the end for the grace that is to be brought unto you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. You know, when you're sitting quiet, you're going to receive revelations. You're going to receive those aha moments where the word, all of a sudden, you read it over and over and over, and then all of a sudden you read it that one time, and wow, there's a whole new revelation that comes along with it a whole new deepened understanding. It's the most incredible thing when you sit quiet with him. So love him. Appreciate the Lord when he has you tucked away and your daily routine may be altered and you're having to wait upon him and be still. All right. As obedient children, not fashioning yourself according to the former lusts in your ignorance, now, there are times like when you were out in the world, you didn't know that you were doing things wrong, but now you're going to get a whole new vantage point. You're going to get a whole new way of seeing things. And, and you're going to get that understanding and you're going to be shaped by the hand of God. But as he which hath called you is holy, so be ye holy in all manner of conversation. Conversation, your conduct, your behavior, your speech. You're coming and going. Set that perfect example. Set that perfect example of being where you need to be at all times, what you need to be doing and what you need to be saying. Because it is written, be ye holy, for I am holy. And if ye call on the Father, who without respect of persons, judges according to every man's work. Remember how I said? You receive at the hand of God, what you've designed for yourself. So get a hold of God and make sure your design is pleasing to him. And then you're going to get those things like, like um, Paul got. 
that great favor and that power and that authority and that eternal blessing at the end of his course. Pass the time of your sojourning here in fear. Now that fear is a deep respect and reverence for the Spirit of God. A deep respect to adhere to what is pleasing in his sight. What would make him pleased and happy and smile upon you. For as much as ye know that ye were not redeemed with corruptible things as silver and gold, you didn't buy your way into his kingdom. You can't buy your way into his kingdom. From your vain conversation received by the tradition of your fathers, a false spun or twisted doctrine, and they've got millions and millions and millions of them out there. All certain man has his spin and his philosophy and his ideas on things. Make sure it lines up with the word of God. Because if you're going off in some spun direction, that is not going to please God. It's not. So slow down, get quiet, tuck in, spend your time wisely. If you're homebound for a while, tuck in and enjoy the Lord. Rejoice in him and spend your time wisely. I know Job had quite an hour where he had to sit aside and boy, he gained a lot at the end of all of that journey. The Lord shaped him and he gave him a great awe and respect for the Lord by the end of his journey and that acknowledgement. And never once was Job moved from his integrity. He always loved the Lord no matter how great an affliction was upon him or what he had to bear with. He was stripped down to nothing. He was stripped down to absolutely nothing. And yet he never charged God foolishly. He stuck with him. He kept his eyes fixed on the Lord. And what did the Lord do in the latter end? He turned around and gave him more than what he had in the beginning. Over and above. Why? Because God will give you back according to what you've given. He didn't charge God foolishly. God didn't. God blessed him. Because what Job did pleased God. He kept lining up. When God would give him something, Job laid on his face and said, yes, Lord, and followed it immediately, did whatever God gave him to do. In the latter end of that, and he did pray for his friends because God told him he needed to. And once he did, his captivity was lifted off of him and the blessing flowed in. You notice the key there? He did what God told him to do. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm going to read that again. For as much as ye know that you were not redeemed with corruptible things, such as silver and gold, you didn't buy your way in there, from your vain conversation received by tradition from your fathers. But here where you were, you were redeemed by this. Verse 19. But with the precious blood of Christ, as of a lamb without blemish and without spot, who verily was foreordained before the foundation of the world, but was manifest in these last times for you before any of this was formed, before any of these carcasses were here. It was ordained for Jesus to be that sacrificial lamb for you so that you can obtain what you can obtain right now, right now. What a beautiful thing. Verse 20, who verily was foreordained before the foundation of the world, but was manifest in these last times for you, who 
by him do believe in God that raised him up from the dead and gave him glory that your faith and hope might be in God. There lay your faith and your hope in God. Learn how to do that. Ministers, please teach your people, your sheep, your beautiful, sweet sheep, how to do that one-on-one -on -one between them and God, how to do it personally. Because if you, for some reason, have to leave off this life, you know your sheep will be safe. Because there will be ones that have done and established that relationship with God. They will know that right word for them. And they will know how to get that right word for themselves if they're off and sequestered off some way, somewhere. They will know how to endure those hours and times. They will know how to weather any storm that comes by them in any way, shape, or form. And they will love you for teaching them how to weather it. They will love you for it. They will thank you for it. They will be glad for it. So be sure to teach them how to pray independently between them and God and how to establish that relationship because therein lies your strength. It really does. Mm -hmm. Seeing ye have purified your souls in obeying the truth through the Spirit unto unfeigned love of the brethren, that true love, not self-serving, but that true love, which is selfless. See that you love one another with a pure heart, fervently, passionately, with the greatest love of all, desiring that they succeed, desiring that they have that established in their lives one-on-one -on -one between them and God. Being born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible by the word of God, which liveth and abideth forever. Remember when I said the word of God, it's eternal, it lasts forever. So if you are filled, if your heart and your mind is filled with the word of God, and you have to leave off this earthen vessel, what remains? That mind, it's filled with the word of God. It's going to endure forever. It's going to be there forever. It's going to return back to whence it came. It's going to go directly to God. Isn't that something? So what should your mind be stayed upon? It should be stayed upon him and his word. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. For all flesh is as grass, and all the glory of man as the flower of grass. The grass withereth, and the flower thereof falleth away. And you watch it, you can get yourself a beautiful flower, but it only lasts for a certain time and then it's going to wither and fall away. So with these earthen vessels, they're going to wither, they're going to wear out, they're going to age, they're going to fall away. Some sooner, some later, but every single one of them eventually is going to fall away. For those that have that wonderful judgment of God and that reward of him for being righteous, they're going to receive the rewards of their righteousness. They will, and you can rejoice in that. Mm -hmm. But the word of the Lord endureth forever. And this is the word which by the gospel is preached unto you today, right here, right now. So establish yourself personally. Take advantage of the opportunity, any opportunity. If God has stripped your life down and pared your life down, where you have the ability 
to get rid of all the busyness and have one-on-one -on -one time with him, I adjure you, please take it with every fiber of your being. Take it and establish that beautiful relationship and pray for those that have taught you how to do it. Pray for them and thank them. Thank the Lord God that he has sent ones before you that have done and established these things in their lives so that they can teach you this. And you do likewise, teach those, all those that you come in contact with the beauty of this wondrous working before the Lord, the quietness and the beauty and the majesty and the glory and the power and the authority and all those good things that come along with it. Bless God, bless his holy name and bless each and every one of you in your endeavors through this life to maintain the beauty and majesty of the Lord in your daily routine. I love you all very dearly. The Lord bless you much. That was our beloved sister Trish, an incredible message of comfort and hope. Uh, I wanted to leave you with this scripture too, is Colossians 2 verse 12. Buried with him in baptism, wherein also ye are risen with him through the faith of the operation of God, who hath raised him from the dead. When we are obedient to that uh, commandment to be baptized and filled with the Holy Spirit, we also are risen with him through the faith of the operation of God. Thank you so much for being here today. We hope this show has blessed you and expanded your faith. Since we spent the last couple hours getting our love on, let's make sure we keep our love on. We'll be back next Sunday. In the meantime, enjoy this beautiful day of victory. Uh, for Jesus Christ in Nazareth and for all those that walk in the Spirit. If you missed any part of the show, as I mentioned, just go to getyourloveon.org. If you'd like more information, that's a good spot to go to as well. And I hope you have a wonderful week. Crack yourself a smile or sing a song But I keep my love on Man or woman, man or woman who is so down, try keep your love on, on. Sons and daughters, sons and daughters of the one true God, keep your love on. Keep your love on, child. Let it shine bright, bright, bright.